You want me to ask the question? So, here's <laughs> beers br- or, or brews. I'm going to say it wrong. Brews, beards, and shipwrecks. Yes. Podcast. Tell me. You know, I'll, I'll come for the clever way to do that. But do you want to start with that? Do you want to um, start with the drinks? I know you do that as well. Just don't worry about it. Just, okay. I'm, I'm here for the ride. And, uh, <laughs> and you relax. We're going to make it happen. Awesome. Got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew Doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet we're gonna put it in check You're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks One, two, we got the brews, we got the beards. Tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards. Tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. This is Chun J from Royal Ruckus, also known as Jamie Bennett. And I am here with. Renata Zaro. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for being on. Um, I, I, before we get going, I want to uh, alert our listeners that this episode is a slightly different format than we're used to. We're going to be trying out a few things based on user feedback. And uh, you know, some people like one thing, some people like another, some people don't like something that other people love. Uh, so, in a sense, it doesn't matter because it's got to be a format that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. But I also listen, right? So um, so anyway, I hope you'll enjoy the new format. I look forward to some feedback as we go along. Uh, I'm not going to tell you really what I'm doing different. You're just going to have to see. <laughs> so, uh, so how are things going? What's going on? Things are going really well. I uh, just finished getting everything ready for my classroom. School starts tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. For the students and the teachers, so I'll right. be back. And you're one of the, the teachers. I am one of the teachers, just to clarify that. <laughs> Some people get confused. Is, is there ever confusion <laughs> on campus about that? So, because I am a young teacher, I'm going to my second year, um, and I do teach middle school. Uh, I have oh, a lot yeah, of yeah. eighth graders, right. and those kids are taller than I am sometimes. <laughs> so many of the teachers will actually wear the polos that the students wear, the, the school uniform on okay. Fridays with jeans. And I have not done that a single Friday because if I wear that polo, right. I blend right in with those students. Right. And I don't want that to happen. So. It almost seems like for safety, you would want to have a, at least a different color. You you would think. Everybody, you would think. All the teachers you would think would want a different yeah. color. I feel like I'll be walking down the hall and some teacher would just like yell at me, you're going the wrong way. Oh, I'm so sorry, Ms. Zaro. I didn't know it was you. Detention from Ms. Zaro. That's awesome. Oh, man. Oh. So, so you're set, though. You're, you're about ready. Yeah, the, the room looks great. I have uh, some lesson plans in. I'm ready. I have all my copies made. That's very important. Okay. And um, I'm ready for the first week and a half, I would say. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of things in the classroom, you're often throwing out your plans and adjusting as you go. Sure. Especially the first couple of weeks, there are a lot of changes to student schedules. So right. Um, right. Some, someone right. helped me bring in two extra desks. So we're a little crowded in my classroom because as of now, I have more students than I'm supposed to. And in about a week, that will change, which means all of the names I learn, some of them will leave. I might get different right, ones. Right. But, you know, as, so as ready as I can be. <laughs> they're bringing in more teachers? Is that what's good? And then they're going to redistribute the extra kids? Or what's... Um, I, I, I'm not on this, the master plan. Oh, right, right. Uh, admin, I'm not sure all the details. But from what I understand, we had a lot of students come in 
kind of last minute and they just oh, needed gotcha. to be put yeah, somewhere yeah. so they're not just wandering around the first yeah. week um, and then they're gonna adjust the schedules you know I'm sure okay. something will happen where a kid has math twice and they're like why do you hate me yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you know obviously things like that will need to be fixed so I just I just show up and teach whoever's in my classroom and on my roster that's that's yeah. my job that, that's funny I uh, when this is a long time ago but in like third grade that happened to me and I was one of the kids who was shifted after after like a week and uh, my mom was not happy and I think what it was was I was not happy because I really liked the teacher I was given mm -hmm. and I don't remember if I cried or not but I was a little bit of a punk so I probably did cry <laughs> a little bit because I, kn I knew mom was a sucker for that and yeah. she went down to the principal and was like he has to go back to Miss Smith's class yeah and uh about the time they pulled me out of Mrs. McGee's class and put me in Miss Smith's class, I felt like a big jerk. Because oh. <laughs> I knew it was totally my fault. I got mom. Yeah. Mom to go to bath for me, but, but that's that's a big reason schedules get changed. I, yeah. I tell the power of a parent. If a parent sure. calls, yeah. that change will likely happen. Uh, we had an open house uh, this Wednesday where a lot of the sixth graders come in because they're, they're nervous about coming to middle school. Yeah, I don't right. blame them, you know? Yeah. And uh, they come with their parents, they meet the teacher. So I, I'm a language arts teacher. I do, uh, this year I'm doing eighth grade language arts. Sure. And they have just added three creative writing electives. So one of them will just be sixth grade students. And I met with many students who got really excited as I talked about what okay. types of writing I would teach. Yeah. And they realized that they hadn't signed up for an elective so they probably wouldn't have me. And they got all nervous. and. Like some of those kids yeah, like get yeah. ready to cry and it's, you know you feel right. really bad. So there were a couple of parents I pulled my side and said, "Look, you, just in case no one's told you this, if you don't like the schedule she gets and you call in, yeah. you know, um, and ask, hey, she wanted creative writing, can we put her in that elective? They may they'll try to work right. with you. Um, so if the schedule gets even more hectic because I gave that advice <laughs> to parents, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that yes. might be on me. That might the, be on me this year. Might be oh just, no." <laughs> Yeah, I might get pulled into a meeting after this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure principals don't enjoy that aspect of the job, but it's part of it. Yeah. And, uh, and ultimately, I mean, the kids belong to the parents, ultimately, you know? Right, right. When, when I was a teacher, and you know, I, there are certain circumstances where this wouldn't make any sense, but when I was a teacher, a lot of times, if the parent was around, mm -hmm. I would not discipline that child unless it really crossed a line. Yeah. Because I felt like the parent... To Not defer to the parent, time, but like, right. we're talking like field trips and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The parent was around. I just let them take right. charge, unless it crossed the line. And yeah, there, yeah. There, there was one time where a little girl. We're talking like fifth grade, so this isn't like this isn't like your eighth graders, you know. Right. But uh, this little girl, she was just darling, absolute sweet girl. I think she's married. Now. This is how life works. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, she's grown up now, but uh, she got sassy with her mom, and I'd never seen her be like that in class. Yeah. And I said, hey, name, um, <laughs> don't ever speak to your mother like that in front of me again. Yeah. And, like, you could see a complete change on her face. She said, yes, sir. And I never saw her sass her mom again. Oh, it takes a village. You know, yeah, sometimes exactly. parents need a little help. Yeah, um, yeah I, I do tell parents when I have the chance to meet with them, you know, my job is not to replace you. My job is just to yeah. help you and support yeah. you. And, yeah. and the parents who you know, do collaborate with teachers and email and call. I don't know about all the other teachers. I appreciate it because sure. that's my job. And if I don't know you or what you're doing with the yeah. student, or your, your child, then I obviously can't support you as well. Yeah. So. How'd you, how'd you end up uh, deciding to be a teacher? So I've known that I wanted to be a teacher for a very long time. Okay. Um, to make a very long story short, yeah. um, I was on a missions trip in ninth grade. I was uh, 14 years old. 
and had a big spiritual storm, but in a good way, um, where God basically called me to that. And uh, it made sense once I got that calling, once I received it. I feel like that was something I was heading to. Yeah. You know, I feel my entire life I've been a teacher in, in some way or another. This I'm just right. now getting paid to do it. Right. Um, but I've always, yeah. you know, found someone younger than me to mentor and, and work with. So that's just that's just something I've known I wanted to do for a long okay. time. And as stressful as it may be sure, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I love it. I love working with this age group. Now, now did, you, um, did you know, let's put it this way, at what point did you know it was like language arts and writing and that sort of thing right. that you wanted to do, or is that just incidental? So so middle school was the calling, like uh, okay. that age group okay. specifically. Well, the um, age group language arts was my choice, just because I think of all the subject areas, it's the only one I could be qualified to teach. I, um, I could do a lot of studying and maybe do history. Yeah. I could do certain types of science. I could not do math. There's just, there's just no way. Um, those kids could learn better from a book than they could from me. I, I, I don't know what's going on in math classes. It's awful. The, uh, the creative writing is something I ran as an after-school club last year, and they liked what I was doing with it and added it as a full elective. Yeah. So this is, some, this is something new that I'm doing, and I'm super excited about it. You know, I love doing the language arts, but it's definitely nice to have a class that, you know, is not a tested subject. Yeah. There's not, um, while I will be supporting the standards, since I'm also teaching those students in language arts, yeah. I don't have to, you know, be as constricted by them, if that makes sense. Right. So, um, and, and the kids, even if they're not good writers, even if they don't really know how to be a yeah. writer, just from the after school club, I've seen at middle school, it's such an important age to learn how to express yourself because yeah. you're changing and figuring so many things out sure. that these kids love having that outlet. And I think that's such right. an important outlet. And the, the administration recognizes that. I feel so blessed to be the school that I'm at, yeah. that they see that and they say, hey, let's make this three classes that you get to teach, which to me are completely <laughs> yeah. fun classes. Even if the kids hate it, sure, I will yeah, have fun. Yeah. But yeah, writing, writing is something I've also done just my entire life. And it's so cool to bring that into this other calling and combine right. the two. George Grant is uh, a friend of mine and he's a pastor and he's also a lifelong educator and author. One of the things that he said, I don't know if this is original with him, but he's where I first heard it, was that essentially the job of a teacher is to love what you love in front of your students. Mm, I like and that. I, I think that's why it's crucial that if you are called to teach, you should teach something that you are passionate about. And yeah. Enjoy. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you were to get stuck teaching math, not only would it be yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't love it, and yeah. it would be your unsettledness about it would be contagious. Absolutely. And Conversely, your excitement, even if they don't enjoy writing, your yeah. excitement can become contagious. In fact, that student I told you about uh, with her mother, yeah. she hated reading when she came to fifth grade. <laughs> By the time she graduated high school, she was a bookworm. Yeah. And uh, her mom saw me on this on the street in Tennessee one day and uh, pulled me aside and thanked me mm -hmm. for that love of reading. And I don't think I did anything magical. I just <laughs> love reading, and yeah. it was contagious. Yeah. Right? What are you drinking? So I am drinking <laughs> some lovely echinacea tea. Yeah. Usually this would be coffee. I did have coffee earlier, but I've, I've been losing my voice just a little bit. Okay. Every once in a while you might hear it. Yeah. So this is just very healing. And I, I, I like tea. I don't like really herbally tasting teas. Yeah. This is one of the few like herbal teas with you know healing properties and all of that that right. doesn't taste like that to me. Okay. Um, so I drink this stuff all the time. It's also an immune system boost. Yeah, so during yeah. the school year, I drink this religiously, really? and I have That's less smart. sick days than pretty much all my coworkers, because awesome. I just I just drink this tea and, and try to like make sure I'm eating healthy, 
yeah. and all that stuff because these kids come in and they're very germy and hygiene is not always their strong suit at the yeah, middle school right. level. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so do you drink a lot of teas or is it mostly echinacea? That's your um, echinacea and chamomile are like the main two. Um, I just find at night sometimes if I need to like calm down, relax. If I'm really wired but I know I have to go to bed and get up for work the next day, I'll drink some chamomile. It's it's helpful. It's helpful. And something about having a hot drink just sure. at the end of the day is so so relaxing. And I don't want to do coffee because then right. I'll be laying in bed awake like, why did I do this to myself? Right. Yeah. So I, I usually drink coffee throughout the day, and then the tea is more of a night thing or if I'm just not feeling well, I'll do the echinacea. Well, we, we're uh, sitting here at Panera Bread. It's... It's hard to find a public place that is quiet. Oh, yeah. And at the last minute, I thought of Panera. And I come here sometimes, and actually, these chairs we're sitting in, I'm usually in the chair that you're in. I'll sit there and get a work day knocked out and yeah. uh, sit here and sip on coffee all day. Usually, usually when I come here, because I don't, I don't generally eat bread unless I'm like a guest of someone's or mm -hmm. have a major craving for pizza. Yeah. Something. You know, like, and then I just go for it, and it's awful. But, uh, so like when I come to Panera, it's pretty much just black coffee is all I get. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of times I'll come here and I'll, I'll just do intermittent fasting. Okay. And I will fast until like 5 or 6 p.m. Mm. Uh, of course, the downside of that is you're pretty wired by 5 or 6 and you're sitting Because you've had so much coffee. So much coffee. <laughs> nothing else in your and system. Nothing else. <laughs> but, you I've know, definitely done that, yeah. Then, then, then I go home, I make sure I don't drink any more caffeine. And around 5 or 6 is when I stop drinking right. the coffee. And uh, that seems to work pretty well for me. Do, do, you, do you do all right sleep? I do not sleep well at okay. all. Um, just my entire life, my mom actually loves to tell the story of like when I was a like a baby or a kid. Yeah. You know, kids always have nap time. Yeah. Like I would lay there, obediently because I was supposed sure. to be having nap time. I'd never sleep. Yeah. And she's like, you just didn't need it or or whatever. So so a lot of nights I do kind of just lay in bed and I'm awake. I don't yeah. I don't get up and do things because I know I, my body needs to rest. Yeah. And uh, I'll just I'll just talk with God or just kind of think things through. Um, and you know, I, I still I work full days, <laughs> right, so I obviously right. have enough energy to do that. Um, I there there. You seem to have a ton of energy. I have I have natural <laughs> energy. Yeah, <laughs> even when I don't drink coffee, I'm just like this. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I don't I don't sleep well. I've never been a head hit the pillow type. Okay. As much as I've wanted to be at times. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. My problem is like I I can take a nap like that. Yeah. But at night, it's a different beast. It um, is. It I, is. I guess falling. I, I don't know. I, I can trick my body into falling asleep for a half hour, mm -hmm. I guess, or two hours. Well, one one of the fun things I like doing with this uh, with this show is getting beyond just music and the shipwrecks, and you know, we like to talk about fun things. Like, but the the other thing that we like to talk about is uh, beard care and personal grooming, and you don't have a beard. What I do not. As <laughs> as hard as I've tried, it just will not grow. Um, I mean, I don't even see. <laughs> Like. I just have nothing. <laughs> no, no, I'm not blessed in that way. <laughs> I And I actually know nothing about beard care. I didn't even realize until you had yeah. mentioned it that right. beards need their own care. Yeah, they, they, and they get dry. My, mine is, uh, I'm actually almost a little embarrassed in my beard right now because it's a few days late from being trimmed, and uh, I'm going to trim it up tomorrow. But And I've also been bad about having to this much beard oil, you know. Uh, but but I do like to um, I do like to keep it clean. Keep yeah. It well yeah, boy. Hey guys, before we get too deep in the episode, this is Chun Che coming at you right here from the shower. Yeah, that's right. This is my first ever segment in the shower. 
And the reason I am in the shower is because I have some great soap to tell you about. I got this crazy soap from this company called Dr. Squatch Natural Soaps. Dr. Squatch was started by a couple of guys who had normal, regular 9 to 5 jobs. And they started looking at some things about health and uh, things that are real and natural and wonderful for your body. And they ultimately ended up creating some soap. They left their 9 to 5 jobs and started this crazy soap company called Dr. Squatch. I'm loving it. They sent me some bars. Uh, right now I am using the Pine Tar Bar, which is made from coconut oil, olive oil, hemp oil, shea butter, pine tar extract, and a whole bunch of other really good stuff. Why haven't you gotten your Dr. Squatch soap yet? Why not, huh? Well, why don't you go ahead and point your browser at www.drsquatch.com. Now back to our show. Yeah, boy! One of the things that, that you're into that, um, that I appreciate, but I don't quite understand it at the same level, okay. is the whole comic world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've got I've got friends. All three of us have red beards and slightly slightly different levels of blondness. But we're all on the ginger spectrum to okay. some extent. <laughs> and uh, and I realized after a while they were going to all these Marvel movies without me. And I complained, I was like, I guess I wanna hang out with me, what's going on? They're like, oh, no. You're not into comics. It's like, but I like movies. <laughs> So, so they've started inviting me, and now I'm I'm not really into comics yet, but I'm starting to appreciate. Yeah. The universes. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> there are many of them. Yeah. What's funny is, um, you know, growing up, we're a big Batman family. My dad had okay. long boxes and long boxes and long boxes full of Batman comics, yeah. and he still does. So he very much introduced me into that world, and uh, you know, Batman is actually DC, and they. Yeah. write incredible comics they make great video games and all of that but marvel is killing it with the movies yeah. and not just for people who actually read the comics and know these characters right. but even just right. like a lot of younger newer generation this is their intro like some of the kids i'm teaching this is their introduction into superheroes are these movies yeah. and on the marvel side i think it's a pretty good introduction yeah. um i uh it's actually funny i haven't seen all of them i've seen a lot and i don't read marvel comics that much so I, I'm following the movies I don't know a lot of the histories okay. but recently I started to follow on Instagram these pages that are just dedicated fan pages for either DC or Marvel and some are some do both yeah. and the funny thing is if I if I see an actor in something uh, you know in a few movies I'll be like wow I really like that actor I don't know anything about them uh, I'm not one of those people that really gets to know celebrities yeah. I know that's a thing I've never never done that but now that I'm following all of these pages there's all of these um, memes and things that just like talk about the personality of not just the characters but the actors yeah. that are that are like crazy and funny <laughs> and so I feel like this is the first time I've really followed actors and characters kind of at the same yeah, time um, so one of, one of the little things that I didn't even connect uh, make the connection until I was following these um, there are a bunch of Chris's in these movies <laughs> and there are Tom's as well and there's a lot okay. of jokes about that so um, you have Chris Pratt which many people sure. know him from yeah. Parks and Rec, right. you know, and he's also Star Lord in the Guardians of the Galaxy. So you have Chris Pratt. You but, have and that's quite a, quite the jump. It is. Know? It is. <laughs> I've seen him do different roles. He's always he's always amazing. I yeah, love him yeah, in yeah. everything I've seen him in. Um, but yeah, so Chris Pratt, Chris Evans is Captain America, and Chris Hemsworth is Thor. 
So you have these three main heroes that are all Chris's. So there'll be yeah. there'll be jokes where like you know someone on set will say, "All right, we need Chris," and just three men just come running. And um, that's awesome. So there's there's big followings and there's there's I mean these intense debates about who is the best Chris and why can't we just love them all? Really? I mean these oh these fans are crazy, but that's kind of it's it's that's very amusing fun. and I love it. Yeah, that's, um, that's but personally, I'm on the Tom side. So there are okay. two Toms. Um, the first one is Tom Holland, who is the new Spider-Man, the, the wait, young... Wait, hold on, so is, it, is this like the old, you know, uh, the, the old Twilight thing? Like, team this, team that, this is the team Tom, team Chris thing? You know, I never really thought of it like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> I think within the, like, team Chris, there are, which Chris are you? I think they're, like, kind, oh, they kind of do that. Okay, um, okay. I, I mean, the Chris's are great. So Chris's Chris are great. Don't get Tom. me wrong. It's Chris versus Chris versus Chris. <laughs> yeah. Or Tom versus Tom versus Yeah. Tom. Um, I, I can't. The, the Chris thing, I think, gets a little intense. But what I've seen, <laughs> the, the Tom people. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the Toms um, actually get along really well in their characters, okay. and, and ages yeah. are actually very different. So yeah. most people can agree to like both Toms. Okay. Um, cool. But on the Chris side, there's definitely a little more, uh, yeah. no, this is the best Chris. Um, but with the, so with the first Tom, Tom Holland is, is uh, the new Spider-Man, and, and I, I started following his page. Usually when I follow someone on Instagram, it's someone I know. Yeah. But I started, I, I was like, let me just follow his page. And I, he posts all of these videos and pictures of just him and his brothers and him and his dog. And he's just this, this really like hilarious personality. Um, kind of, he, he, he acts, I think, younger than he is. Like, I almost could see him being one of my students in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and it's just, it's so adorable to watch. And I'm like, I just want to, like, take him on adventures or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he does do a New York, like, the like Queen's accent in the movies, because uh, that's where Spider-Man lives. But he's actually English. He, okay. he, he, lives in, he lives in England. He has a British accent. Um, and, you know, everything sounds better with a British yeah. accent. Yeah, yeah. So the videos are even that much more amazing. Um, <laughs> Does he ever just read the phone book? On the I, I hope so, because I would watch that. Um, <laughs> the other Tom is also British, or also English, okay. and uh, that's Tom Hiddleston. And he is the actor who played Loki, uh, who's actually yeah. a villain. So all the others right. have been heroes, but he is the, the villainous brother of Thor. Okay. And what's funny is um, he's so completely opposite of his character he's like the nicest guy he apologizes every time he wins an award every time he really? he, 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 he apologizes crazy. for knowing how to spell something he, he just like says he's sorry all the time he's, such a great he's just he's like the nicest softest guy he has wow. these conversations where he's like i'd love to be loki's therapist you know he just comes in like awesome. you can't believe what thor did and and he's just like here sit down i'll make you a cup of tea we'll talk about it um, but, <laughs> well, Tom Holland is someone I feel like, oh, let's just go on adventures and have fun with his, right. I think he's like a pit bull, uh, Tessa is her name. Okay. Um, Tom Hiddleston is like someone I'd want to sit down with, have a cup of tea and just talk literature. Right. You know, he loves Shakespeare. He, um, the great Gatsby talks about his love for that. And, um, the, you know, the, the English teacher in me loves that, loves, you know, to see someone who's playing in this kind of fan pop culture sure. style of movie, but has also... Yeah. Performs Shakespeare and, and has that love for literature, um, which awesome. is a love I feel like a lot of people lost, sadly. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so really weird. I felt you know, social media has gotten me into yeah. these people's lives, and I, I've never <laughs> met them, but they seem like great, pretty great people. I don't know. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you mentioned uh, Shakespeare, and this brings up the subject. Uh, one of the reasons you're here today is poetry. Indeed. And. and you know, Shakespeare is this incredible, like, not not just him, but like, 
especially his body of work, is this incredibly poetic thing, but it's meant for a stage. Right. And it's it's a performance. And that's how I met you. It was not Shakespeare, but <laughs> a performance. A of performance, poetry, yes. Which is spoken word poetry. How'd you get into spoken word poetry? Um so I've been writing poetry for forever. <laughs> um but mostly print poetry. Yeah. You know, whether it rhymed or not, it was usually no longer than a page. Okay. And I have sent stuff out to get published in print journals, and a few of them yeah. have been published. Um, but spoken word poetry is a completely different beast in its own right, and it is made to be performed on a stage. It's performance poetry. Um, I actually started writing spoken word last year, last August. Okay. And uh, Jeanette Hickman runs uh, the yeah. Open Mic Night where we met, yeah. and she ran an open notes class. It was the first time she was doing yeah. it for writers who wanted to work on their craft. And I hadn't been writing for a little while. I thought it would be a good way to get me back into that. Um, and when, when we get there, you know, she's super, she's just the nicest person. She's the hostess with the mostest, what we call her. She's the <laughs> nicest person in the world. And she's like, you know, letting everyone know it's a safe space and, you know, whatever you want to work on, we'll work on it. And then at the end, she comes up to me, she says, you're going to write me spoken word. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait, what happened to all the, whatever you want right. to do? Because I don't really do it. She's like, no, I've seen what you do. You need to write a spoken word. So she yeah. gave me that challenge. That's awesome. And um, the first spoken word I ever wrote is called Home is a Dirty Word. And it is actually one of the fan favorites. I don't even know if I can say that, but yeah, people in the yeah, audience no, like it, right? I might have fans. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, it's a fan favorite. And um, it's uh, about some really, I guess, like dark or, or vulnerable things that happened during my high school years, which at this point is over 10 years ago. Yeah. And a lot of things that I've experienced healing from. But I found that writing the piece was extremely therapeutic. I didn't realize I still had some of those things I needed to get out. When I first wrote it, it was eight minutes long. Uh, Jeanette only gives you five minutes on stage, and that okay. includes intro. Yeah, right, right. So I really had to work on the editing and, and making sure every single uh, word counted. And um, awesome. what's cool about that piece is the first couple of times I performed it, I definitely did it for me. Yeah. And now when I get on stage, I feel like every time I do it, it's for someone else. And I have people come up after the show and tell me what it meant to them. Um, and because of the subject matter, I get a lot of uh, women who've been divorced. Um, people who have a lot of people in the, the LGBT community who like yeah. you know their experience of coming out to the families and sure. and just things that aren't specifically what I talk about in the poem but they connect to it yeah. and I think that's what's really cool about art I could get up and explain why I wrote it I don't like to do that I like it to speak for itself because what you get out of it's gonna be so much greater than yeah. what I put into it and that's that's what's so cool about spoken word you know I'm up on this stage you're not seeing these words over and over in a book um, unless, you know, you do also print it, which some people do. Yeah. Um, you're just getting it for these five minutes, this moment in time, and the, the emotions and the connections that you receive are amazing. I perform better when the audience is more bought in. I've had people straight up crying <laughs> in the back while I'm performing this piece, and I feel like I perform so much better because I'm feeding off of that energy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what's cool about spoken word. When you write a poem and print it, anything can happen with it. You're not there to see audience response but with right. performance poetry there's this immediate feedback from the audience right. Right. which is so incredible um, I I love it so much I go to as many shows as I can yeah. um, and they go late and I'm on a teacher schedule so it's not easy right. <laughs> but I just yeah yeah last night oh man I guess, I guess that, that's what happens when you don't sleep well. Yeah. Oh, well yeah. So one, one of the things I envy from the spoken word um, artists is that you have 
Okay, so you do have the time constraints for that particular venue, right? Right. But um, within those constraints, you have a little more freedom with the audience to gauge the audience and right. gauge your delivery and timing. Uh, as a rapper, if I mess up or feel like I need to get, I can't because I have the you have the music in the background. The you have the yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the beat must go on. The song must go on. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with with spoken word poetry, you you can sob, you can laugh, you can tear up. Yeah. You know, like what whatever the moment calls for, and yeah. however the audience is giving that feedback, you can more dynamically enter into that. I think that's yeah. There's um, one of the pieces I've written, uh, it's only the, the only romantic piece I've ever performed on the stage, and I was not going to, but a friend of mine kind of pushed me to, and, yeah. and you know, in retrospect, I'm glad he did, because that's another, it's another fan favorite sure. I get asked to do all the time, um, and I call it Shipwreck Me, and it is, uh, <laughs> right? Perfect for this podcast. Hey, love, Bo, aren't you shipwreck? Hey, love, Bo, aren't you shipwreck? Hey, love, Bo, I'm walking in the club like, um, excuse me. Not you, shipwreck. Hey, love, Bo. Not you, shipwreck. Hey, love, Bo. Not you, shipwreck. Hey, love, Bo. I'm walking in the club like, not you, shipwreck. Um, not not designed, I promise. <laughs> but uh, not intentional. Just happened. Happy coincidence. But um. But yeah, there's a, there's a line in it that I was reading really seriously, almost sadly. And now when I read it, I do it kind of sarcastically or humorously because everyone kept laughing at it. And I reread it and I was like, you know, that is kind of a funny line. And if I deliver it like that, I get a bigger laugh and the audience is more connected. Yeah. Um, and I purposely pause there because I know that a few people will chuckle. And Can you tell us what that line is or does it not make sense um, in so, I'll I briefly give you context. There's a, it's talking about this interaction I had with a guy in a coffee shop and, and all these things that are going on in my mind. And the way I'm reading it, it sounds like I'm actually saying these things to him. And then it says, but now his eyes glance down because I haven't made a sound. <laughs> and now that's humorous. But before I was saying it so seriously, like, oh, man, you know, missed right, my opportunity. Right, yeah. But it became this humorous thing, like, this is everything happening in my head. But realistically, I haven't said anything to this guy yet. Right. <laughs> actually yeah. replied. Um, and the audience, you know, the, the build-up before that is this just, oh my gosh, like people are getting into the words, and then it's like, oh, haha, <laughs> that's all in your head. Yeah, and it's yeah, just, um, yeah. I like to add a little humor in my pieces. My pieces are generally, they range from very dark and vulnerable to just kind of serious, maybe even if, if they're lighthearted, there's still serious tones sure, in it. Sure. So I like to make sure, if nothing else, my intro has a joke or something, just to, just to kind of lighten the mood before I get yeah, really serious yeah. with it. You know, I'll just joke to the audience sometimes. You know, I feel I should warn you, I'm going to yell at you. I'm sure you're lovely people who don't deserve it, but this piece is really emotional that calls for it. Yeah. And then, you know, it is a really emotional piece where you have people either dead silent or crying or just going, yeah, right. like, like right. you know, or snapping right. or however they're responding. So um, that is one of the cool things about this medium is um, spoken word type of art is that you get to gauge the audience and yeah. adjust accordingly. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And I, I, I think that that particular line you talk about, I think, and, and just the general principle of you injecting a little bit of lightheartedness here and there, I think mm -hmm. is really helpful. Um, I want to go ahead and we, we can share that. That what was it called again? I'm sorry. Which the, piece? The coffee shop piece. Um, shipwreck me. Shipwreck me. No, no. <laughs> All right. So let's. The let's, name of your podcast, basically. Let's go ahead and push. Uh, go ahead and share shipwreck me. And then we will we will come back and talk about some more. Awesome, sounds good.
I suppose coffee shops are always packed like this. Often with several singles on laptops and headphones and me never knowing whether I'm allowed or invited to interrupt with conversation. Like right now. Sitting near this attractive guy. Wishing he would show me how a smile can break the look of consternation written across his face. His eyes are a gray-blue. A stormy sea that I may just allow to shipwreck me. Then those stormy sea eyes glance my way and I'm overboard, holding my breath as water is filling my lungs while two fingers float my way, a life preserver, tapping me twice. Then thin lips part to ask, Hey, do you know another word for perfect? And I tell him, All is unknown until approached, questioned, and learned, and I want you to learn me. Like an open textbook, turn the pages of my dreams and learn me. Like a schoolboy studying for the final exam, steal my hand, study the ridges of its skin, turn around again and recite everything you've learned, because we all want to be shipwrecked by someone who won't leave us to drown. But those stormy eyes glance down because I haven't made a sound. I have been holding my breath, forming an answer. When I want to breathe again, I try to turn to the next chapter, but our book doesn't exist. Not now, and not ever. All the synonyms for perfect are suddenly uncertain, because even flawless is false when we each will give way to the imperfections that I will find, or you will find, between us, within us, in spite of us. The problem with utopia is that impeccable ideals weren't disguised all along, hidden in shipwreckage, not the siren song that could have captured stormy sea eyes. I have come to realize it's all in my head. The synonym so pristine is left for dead, hidden in shipwreck debris, awaiting instead a realistic mission. Not fantasy fishing. With coffee shop guys, whose names I don't know, gone places I didn't follow, and so I decided to leave perfection aboard this sinking ship, and then unlike a good captain, I abandoned it. That's a, that's a popular one on the open mic circuit. Um, that, that piece is actually, that interaction with that coffee shop guy, whose name I don't remember, um, happened almost two or three years ago. You know, so I, I have people all the time, oh, are you going to see him again? I'm like, I mean, I haven't seen him since. Um, and it's, it's funny, he did actually ask me, um, kind of, he did kind of start the conversation, like I, you know, say in the piece, um, yeah. that, like it's all a true story. And um, I had gone to that coffee shop to get some writing done and do some kind of just stream of consciousness writing where you just write everything yeah. that comes to mind. And I find with that type, it helps me to look around to my surroundings and start there. So I was sitting, you know, at this almost like communal table that like a bunch of people who aren't together sit at often. And uh, he was sitting there with his laptop and I sat down and smiled at each other and just went back to our, you know, writing and and whatever he's doing on his computer. And, and uh, I was, I looked at him and I was like, I'm going to write about this guy. So I started just by (laughs) describing what he was wearing, which didn't make it into the piece, but you know, just just started describing, um, the basics, I guess. And what it ended up doing was, as I added metaphors and, and layers, some of the things that came out, I realized needed to be in a piece. 
and then I had the friend that pushed me to actually perform that piece. Yeah. Um, but like one of the things you know, I was just describing the color of his eyes, and in my head I'm like, they're a stormy sea. Like that's what it reminded me I of. I love that. Love and that may just <laughs> may just allow to shipwreck me, and and that became. Incredible. Like when I say that, the audience is like, "What?" Like they yeah. get really, yeah. they get really excited. Like the snaps. Yeah, the, you know, <laughs> and they're bought in, and and um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. So it was a, it was, it was kind of, it's kind of cool moment because until I actually had a conversation with him, just writing about him, I built all this stuff up of who he could be, this this character I was writing. It had right. nothing to do with yeah. who he actually was, right. which is partly what the piece is about. And we actually had the conversation. You know, it was a nice enough conversation. Um, but I, I was kind of like, you know, if I ever saw him again, maybe we'd reconnect. But he didn't ask for a number. I didn't feel a need to ask for his. Yeah. You know, I think I think if I remember correctly, he was actually driving through. He didn't live in the area, okay. so probably, you know, nothing would come of it. And and I think that's okay. You know, yeah. for for that yeah. moment in time, he was my muse. <laughs> you know, right. it was a conversation that we had. And not every shipwreck moment is going to turn into something. Right. Uh, greater, unless you know you make it in a piece and get on stage every night to do it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna say, how many of us have spoken word pieces written about us? We just don't know it. You oh know? my gosh, like, yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna walk into one of those coffee shops one day and and just see this girl on stage and be like, wait, I met her. <laughs> it's gonna be about some interaction you had randomly, like I, I have definitely like 15 years ago. Written <laughs> random girls into songs. Yeah. And there's no way they'll ever know, right? Right, like, right. And occasionally, this is this is a little more awkward. But if you do it textually, right, it's not it's not, a, it's not that big a deal. But I've written people into songs that I do know, right, and yeah. like even just just friends. And uh, my, you know, probably the biggest example of that is um, the waitress song. Hey waitress, I'm feeling butterflies every time you ask to take this order. As I practice my lines, and this could be bliss. We sip on rum and coke extra lines. When I write fiction yeah. characters, they might have bits and pieces of them based off of other people, right. but I, tr I try to make sure that they are not that person. Unless I'm doing a non-fiction piece, I, I want to make sure that I'm not duplicating someone else. Because even if it, it's kind of like an honor, like, wow, someone wrote me into something. Yeah. But it's also kind of weird, like, wait, I can give you permission to do that, you know? It, it, yeah. And this has been shared, and I didn't know about it. So I, I'm definitely careful with that. Um, and actually, with, with the first piece I wrote, Home is a Dirty Word, um, because it's about my family, even though I don't say names, like, you know, it's, it's about right, my dad and right, my mom. Right. And so so I've, I found that it can absolutely, I have to be very careful with that. Um, and recently I did edit it. Um, since it was going to be on this podcast, I knew sure. I would be sharing it. Um, I, I gave it to my dad. We, okay. ha we sat down, we had a conversation about it. I let him know that this thing existed. Yeah. And uh, he knew that I was doing the spoken word. He'd seen me perform uh, a different one that I call yeah. Slaying Dragons and or Dragon Slayer. And he, uh, you know, he'd seen me do it. He knew I did did this thing. He didn't know there was one about him and about uh, the divorce and all that. Yeah. So I, I gave it to him, you know. And I was like, you don't have to read it, but if you want to, um, you, you know, I just I, I want you to be 
aware that I'm doing this. I don't I don't want to do anything behind your back. That's not that sure. was not the intention yeah. behind this. And no, it definitely wasn't a fun conversation, but it was uh, one that needed to happen, and one that I'd actually been holding off on having. So being on the podcast yeah, kind yeah, of pushed yeah. gave pushed up the timeline. Um, my younger brother has actually seen me perform the piece. Okay. Um, my mom knows of it. I think I sent it to her and she's read it. And uh, my older brother uh, knows of it as well. I, everyone in my family knows about it, yeah. my immediate family. And I actually decided recently to take a few lines out. There's a section that I omitted that when yeah. I've performed it live, um, I have uh, sure. kept those lines. Um, but most of it's to my dad. It's almost like a letter to him. Okay. And uh, some of the stuff with other family members I decided to delete or omit sure. just for that reason. And, you know, I mean, I think my family is for the most part, very understanding of my art, and, and it was something I do, yeah. but I also want to be respectful of them. Right. Um, I think as an art, as artists, we have a tendency to just use from our lives yeah. without realizing, well, these are people too, and it's also their life. And Right, and when, yeah. it, when it comes to something like divorce, it's it's not as simple as like a breakup song that, you know, is right. your boyfriend of six months, and it's just the two of you and a few of your friends affected, right? Right. Like, no, when it's divorce, like, it, it touches to the depths of your soul. Yeah. And it affects everybody in the family. Absolutely. And, and so for the for the rest of their lives. Yeah. 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 What whatever the circumstances were, that part is true. Absolutely. Pretty universally. Mm -hmm. So so that that's interesting. So how how did you navigate that with them? In, I mean, did you just straight up go to them and go read this? Are you comfortable with it, or did you just did you kind of instinctively like you needed to get it on the paper, but you knew long term maybe it needed to change a little bit? Um. Yeah. Initially, when I wrote it. Um, because my family doesn't come to doesn't come to the shows, or at least oh, not not right, when right. I started doing sure. this, I didn't really worry about it. Yeah, and um, yeah, again, when I for the first few times I performed, it's just for me. Yeah. I didn't really think much about that. And then it became for other people. And I had people asking me um, if they could see it online. And this is I have yeah. posted spoken words, full sure. spoken words on my uh, Facebook writers page, and then you know my Instagram. You can do the clips, but. I, I purposely do not post that one. Sometimes people take a video and send it to me, and I, do, I don't post it. Okay. And uh, recently I did post clips of it on Instagram, and they're pretty innocuous clips. Yeah. And there's even, I actually have a caption under it kind of talking about, like, how, uh, you know, these, here are some sound bites from Home is a Dirty Word. I'm not yet ready to post the full piece. And I kind of questioned myself, and I was like, but so why post it at all? Like, why, why even write this piece? And uh, my response that I came up with was, you know, I think as artists, you know, even when things are now scars and are no longer open wounds, um, yeah. we can still feel those scars. Yeah. We can still remember that pain, remember those emotions, and we can use those scars, those ghosts of our pasts, to help others in their present and the wounds that they're currently facing. And I think that that's the healing process of art right there. You know, yeah. it is healing to me to write it, it's healing to me to perform it, and when I do perform it, it's healing to others which is why I have people in the back crying and coming up to right. me after to tell right. me what it meant to them. Um, but I had so many people almost, almost to the, on the verge of being angry that they couldn't find this piece online. <laughs> and I was like, there's, cause it's not out there. Yeah. But I did realize, you know, if I, um, one of the things I want to do is, is write a few more pieces and put together a book of my spoken word poetry, print poetry, maybe a few short stories, yeah. just, just my writings. And um, I, I realized if I do that, I need to put home as a dirty word in there. And if I need, if I'm going to put it in there, it needs to be. I need to adjust it a little bit. Sure. And again, my family's very supportive. No one, no one was like, "Well, you just can't do this piece anymore." Right. Right. Um, but and there were like, 
questions about it and, and you know, the, the adjusting it and taking some other family members yeah. out, um, I think will we'll help with that. So um, the cool thing about spoken word art too is because it's not printed, you can change it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, true. I have so many pieces that I've gone back and, and edited just based on audience reaction. Oh, you know, smart. lines yeah. I didn't really love, but everyone else did. So right. I kept those and lines I really liked, and then realized, oh, they didn't get it. Maybe yeah. that needs to be adjusted. Yeah. So um, that is one of the cool things about performance art is immediate feedback as yeah. you're performing. Now, speaking of feedback, in addition to the the uh, audience, do you? Um, do you ever send your stuff to other artists? Like, do you reach out to Jeanette and ask her for feedback, or just like when you take the class, you get feedback? But other than that, usually internalize. Like, what do you, what do you do for that? Yeah, so I, I always say that every writer needs an editor, no matter what you write. Yeah. Um, I actually do edit. Um, I am helping people with their poems, music lyrics, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but even though I am an editor and can do the grammar side and all of that for myself, yeah. I still need an unbiased second viewpoint. So, um, I, yeah, the open notes class, getting, getting a group of writers where you workshop each other's pieces is so important. Um, this wasn't intentional, but with the Creative Writing Club for my, my students after yeah. school, they were supposed to bring in pieces to workshop. I'd make copies, we'd write on it, give feedback, and hand it back. Okay. So they know, my, my students who had that club know how to workshop. And some days they wouldn't bring anything or it'd be a while, so I just workshop one of my pieces just to practice sure. it. And it wasn't intentional, but I was getting really good feedback from them. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this club's not really supposed to be about me, but but it worked like that. Having some kind of group of artists and artist yeah. friends is so, so important. Um, and what I tell the students too, not every piece of feedback has to be taken because a lot of things are going to be preferential. Sure. Right. You right. know, hear what they're saying. Like they might just start to be like, I don't get it. So maybe yeah. you need to adjust it, or maybe it's not meant for them to get. Maybe it's kind of inside thing that only some people will right, get. Right. Um, some people be like, I didn't like that, and then the person next to them is like, I actually love that. So it's up sure. to you as the artist. Yeah. Um, but I find all feedback, all feedback is helpful. Um, I most of the time get people who just say, oh, I really liked it, and give me no other specific. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. great, but what did you like about it? Give me critiques. Right. I want yeah. that feedback. Yeah. Um, so I make sure that I have some really honest, but kind in their honesty, you know, sure. artist friends who can give me critiques and feedback. That's really smart. And it, it's it's funny, you know, me running in hip hop circles and running in like literature, like right. publication circles, that kind of stuff. Like I've edited books and, and all that. Rappers are so different though. Rappers do not like editors. And they and what's interesting is, you know, like a producer, for example, right. of a rock record is gonna go in there and he's gonna listen to everything, he's gonna critique, going to improve, he's going to yeah. bring in extra musicians, he might even tweak some lyrics. A lot of people don't realize that a producer sits and does all of that. Yeah. And uh, in, not on all of our projects, but most of the Royal Ruckus projects that yeah. are worth anything, um, we've had a producer in there critiquing our vocal. No, no, there's a reason you're like working that's with his job. Yeah. Like that's his job, yeah. Yeah, like you want him to do that. So one of the things I've been, I've been doing for my next record is... Uh, I've been finding rappers that I know that like a particular song seems close to what they do. Okay. Well, my friend Kid Dead, he does a lot of heavy stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Like he's he's a vegan in recovery, or like he's he's been in recovery for a lot of years. Like so he's sober. Um, he had some suicidal stuff. So his his mother had had done drugs and she passed, and like he talks about heavy stuff. Yeah. And. I wrote a song about a friend uh, contemplating suicide. 
Mm. And I don't write stuff that heavy. Yeah. So Kid Dead to me was like the go-to guy. Yeah, I want your absolutely. feedback. And, and there uh, isn't always a right. There's sure. there's style. So that's that's another yeah. thing when it comes to art. It Sometimes is so subjective. Right. Right. So um yeah, I, I think I like to have two types of feedback. You know, someone who's yeah. gonna be more systematic with it. Sure. You know, that the um the grammarian who's gonna say, Well that, you know, just doesn't sound right or whatever, yeah, like yeah, like yeah. this is this needs to be changed. Yeah. And then the style. Someone who writes the type of piece I'm writing. Yeah. You know, the reason I think I didn't want to get up with, with Shipwreck Me, this romantic piece, yeah. I do write stuff with that, but I joke that I'm a closet romantic. I never share it, um, except with, like, few very close people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just found that right person I shared it with who was like, oh, you have to do this. It's really good. And he actually gave me um, feedback as to where it should go because it needed an ending, and I hated every ending I came up with. And that last part where... After I finish, you know, all the things that have been going on in my head, and then go back to uh, the reality, back to reality, and I haven't actually said anything to this guy, and, and, and you know, going through that, um, that came out of some of our conversations about it. I don't even think he he realized he was giving me advice, just kind of like back and forth. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you just need someone to kind of give you that push, sure. or uh, uh, you know, even just motivate you. Sometimes yeah. it's just you know we don't want to write or we don't know what to write. And just somebody encouraging us to write can yeah, be a, can yeah. be helpful enough. Yeah, boy! Home is a dirty word. Do you remember that photo you took? Of me and my brothers in our new school uniforms? I saw that picture as a promise of a new beginning. It was the first promise you broke. Because it was an ending of life as we knew it. We knew you and mom had been fighting, but we never imagined such drastic steps would be taken. It made no sense. Even with mom on the couch crying and you making yourself scarce, I tried to deny the evidence before me. And when the word divorce finally escaped your lips, do you remember, dad, how I locked myself in my room and never came back out? Do you remember losing me? Because I remember being lost. I remember needing direction, but the dad who was supposed to help me read this map was too busy reading legal documents. Now to say I was lost seems strange, because it wasn't an unfamiliar street, and it didn't feel like taking a wrong turn, it felt like being a stranger in my own home. It felt like home was the biggest lie I could utter. It felt like those yellow outer walls should somehow display the abuse happening inside. It felt like a metaphor for me. And those hours of improv we used to do in the living room, they taught me how to act like a house. I can paint my outside with a story that in no way reflects what's within, because within is home, and home is a dirty word, another broken promise. Dad, do you remember the first time I said daddy issues around you? I was pointing out a girl who was half-dressed, but really I was pointing to me. Sometimes I wondered if I should have worn mine more clearly, but those days I only wore whatever, insert current boyfriend's name, would have liked, as if chasing father figures could somehow keep the nightmares at bay. And now those childhood frights seem trivial. Knowing that at that time you would always run from across the hall to tell me I was okay, well, I am not okay anymore. Those monsters may have haunted my nights, but you haunt my waking thoughts. And unlike the demons of my nightmares, the damage you've done does not disperse with the light. So do you understand why I have the need to shout these words to a bunch of strangers? 
the stranger thing would be to admit them when you're around. Because as consistently careless as you have been with my heart, I am still so careful with yours. I know you can't remember the weekends that weren't yours. I know you don't know about the fights I recorded and how I listened to them night after night over and over until my tears soaked the screen and I told myself I deserved that pain. I don't remember why I thought so. I just remember wanting to feel and being so filled to the brim with what I'd bottled up inside, I danced on the edge of explosion, and those days I wondered, would that have gotten your attention? Would you have seen me if I wore my scars on my wrists? Would you have seen that the line between the pain you cause me and the pain I cause myself blurs more each day? Would you have seen that this shared pain was the only semblance of family we had left? And Daddy, is it fair that this one choice you made stole the choice from the rest of us? That when you stepped away from our love, we stepped into hatred. You didn't just leave your family. You broke it. And we glued those pieces back together with bile. And I guarded my heart with armor-plated hostility. We filled the emptiness with venom until that poison wormed its way into all of our relationships and we found ourselves rotting away inside. Because when we decided to hate you, we decided to hate. Can't you see the demons you've invited into our home? As if home was not a dirty enough word already. So one of the categories of my pieces is what I like to refer to as rallying cries, which are those pieces where um, they do touch on heavy things, you know, um, yeah. things that we, we all struggle with or I struggle with, but then they go on to tell, talk about how I overcome them and then how, you know, the reader, the listener, the audience member can also do the same. Yeah. You know, it's just going back to we share our scars so that others can heal. And, uh, Say that again. We, we share our scars so that others can heal. I love that. <laughs> Get I some love snaps it. for that, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the first piece I wrote in that vein is called uh, Dragon Slayer. Yeah. And I wrote it because uh, it was Jeanette's birthday show was coming up, okay. I think this last April or something. And I hadn't done a newer piece on her stage in a while. And I told her my gift to you was going to be a new piece. Uh. And I don't know why I told her that because then I had one week to write a piece and to memorize the piece. <laughs> um, I actually ended up, I think, reading it or having, I didn't read from it, I did memorize it, but I had the um, paper copy of it tucked in my boot, actually, <laughs> just in case I forgot yeah. and to whip it out. Yeah. I don't like reading from the phone. I know a lot of artists do that. Yeah. I feel like with the scrolling or if someone texts me, it just it's distracting. Sure. And I have to zoom in and sometimes it cuts off the line. So, so I like to yeah. print. I'm a, I'm a tactile person, I like to hold it and touch it. But generally my pieces are memorized. And uh, yeah, so Slaying Dragons is uh, I, I maybe a fun piece in some ways, um, but it does deal with some heavy topics. And uh, you know, w one of the things I've dealt with most of my life is being chronically ill, and that's physical. Right. But you know, when you are <clears throat> physically sick, it also affects you mentally. You know, it affects yeah. all aspects oh, of your health. So Slaying Dragons or Dragon Slayer uh, is a piece about that. 
Okay. And uh, I feel like people who come to these shows, a lot of them are dealing with different mental health issues, and it's been something that's helped them heal, helped them with, okay. you know, my scars has, have helped them with their own struggles. Yeah, boy! I have found myself fascinated with stories of valor. I have become infatuated with the concept of courage. I've read stories of knights in the round table, slaying dragons and saving princesses. I've listened to their oaths, thought about their chivalry, and I have come to a conclusion. This is how we often view bravery. We often view bravery as a shining knight, cutting down fire-breathing demons to save those in need. And while I do not disagree with this definition of bravery, I do think we need to reconsider what we consider to be dragons because I have met dragons before. I have heard them lurking in my living room, pounding on the floorboards until I couldn't sleep and daring me to enter their lair every morning after waking so most mornings I just stayed in bed. See, when dragons would ransack a village, they would step on homes, take sheep, crush livelihoods under scaly feet, and the villagers would shake in fear, hoping and praying for someone to slay the beast, while well, I have been a villager before. I have lived in fear of the beasts in the darkness. I have spent my life skirting around these fire-breathing monsters, and maybe you just think I'm beating a dead horse? Because what does this have to do with bravery, and since when have dragons been real? G.K. Chesterton once wrote, Fairy tales do not need to tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales need to tell children that dragons can be killed. I am not here to convince you that dragons are real. I am here to tell you that they can be slain. See, there are times when we have to be the knights in shining armor. Just like there are times when we fill the role of damsel in distress, but regardless of our dress, anytime we stand up to consuming darkness, that is when we're brave. So I can confidently say that I am brave. I am brave in the mornings when I get out of bed, though every cell in my body screams at me not to. I am brave on the days when I look in the mirror, though I'm convinced my self-esteem cannot take it, but I take it and that makes me brave. I am brave on the days when I smile, especially on the days when I don't mean it. I am brave on the days when I don't cry. I am still brave on the days when I do. I am brave when I make my heart bleed on a page, then step on a stage to read those bloody lines. I am brave when I spout truth. And I am brave when I use my own stories to do so. See, my art could not exist without dragons because my art could not exist without bravery. So I am here to tell you that you are brave. Not because you don't need to be saved, but because you are willing to fight. Remember, those knights had a round table that seated more than one. And while they sometimes accepted the challenge to face dragons on their own, they were not alone. They told their tales to each other and sometimes did battle together. So don't stop fighting your dragons. And don't stop reminding others of your victories, of your failures, and of how you still don armor when the dragons come because we all face dragons. Which means we can all be brave.
I love it. Yay. Well, Renata, uh, it's it's been awesome. We got a few more minutes here, um, but as as we start to wrap up the show, I got a handful of little things I want to talk to you about. But before we get to those right. uh, those little things, um, as a uh, as an unmarried guy in, in my thirties, I've had a lot of experience. Um, like you, you had that situation in the coffee shop where mm-hmm. you have this brief little conversation. And, uh, actually, that that particular poem, I could totally see a royal ruckus song being like the same angle. Yeah. Except it would be silly, right? Right. Because like, um, that's just that's just what I do. But <clears throat> but a lot of times, you know, the, navigating through all that is is tricky. Like the the joke I make when I do the waitress song sometimes. Uh, make a joke I'll sometimes make a joke about leaving a note on her car because that's not creepy at all right, right? Like, <laughs> so I mean how, from a from a girl standpoint you're, you're yeah. the second female officially right. on the show <laughs> uh, what's up with all this, this so dynamic? yeah um so I am a single woman as well yeah. and uh I I spend a lot of time a lot of time in coffee shops so that piece was about one instance but there have been many yeah. and well, um I don't always bring my laptop. I feel like there's something about being behind a laptop that usually says, kind of leave me alone, and people generally uh, respect yeah, yeah. that. But a lot of times I go just to unwind, and that yeah. usually means I don't want to be on a screen or looking at a screen. So I'll bring books. I will yeah. bring graphic novels. Um, I actually get approached, this is not intentional, but I think I get approached more when I'm reading a graphic novel I because wonder. it's like, oh, this girl, what is she doing? Like there's, there's yeah. just something about yeah. that that piques interest. Sure. Um, but every once in a while I'll just sit there and sip my coffee or I'll be reading, and, and I, I do get impro- approached a lot. So I'm, I'm an extrovert, I love people. I don't yeah. mind getting into random conversations with strangers, I yeah. don't at all. Yeah. Um, it is a very rare that a conversation will start and I'm just doing something so busy where I'm like, I don't wanna talk to you. Yeah. Usually I'm all for it. So um, because of that, I feel like you know if, if a conversation starts with a guy who's just in my proximity, even if it's just something as, oh, you know, they did a cool design on your like latte art or whatever, you, you know, or I yeah. like your earrings or whatever. I have yeah. these uh, flash lightning symbol earrings. So, you know, okay. guys love those. I get like every time I wear them, there's some guy randomly will point yeah. them out. So just a little, something little that comes right. up and me being the extrovert, I will sometimes, or he will sometimes turn it into a conversation. So I've actually given a lot of advice to uh, friends about navigating this. Um, uh, of both genders, but uh, women especially, because I feel like here's what happens. Um, there's this really thin line between I feel uncomfortable and I'm being harassed. And obviously, like, you know, it's agreed upon harassment's not okay. Right, right. But the entire, like, process of flirting with someone or even just getting to know someone you don't know is awkward and is uncomfortable. Yeah, for everybody. And I, for everyone. Yeah. I don't care how suave and smooth you are. Like, there's yeah. there are uncomfortable moments. And I think that... I think that sometimes we mistake the two, and I'm, I, I try to be very careful with my friends to kind of help them navigate that, you know, um, because there's two there's two extremes. Sometimes there'll be girls who are being harassed, and they're just so used to being uncomfortable, I guess, or they yeah, feel like they're yeah, not yeah. able to say something. It'll make things more uncomfortable, so they right. don't. And in that that situation, I encourage them, you know, t- to make what they feel or what what they want to stop clear. Yeah. And then there's the other side where like a guy compliments a girl's shoes and she's like, oh my gosh, like who are you? And just, right. just freaks out. So um, I definitely think there's a balance and I definitely think uh, navigating that is a little tricky. Um, here, here's what I, here's the advice I give to women a lot. Um, you know, no, no offense to your gender, but uh, men <laughs> are not good at taking hints. <laughs> 
and true. women love giving hints. <laughs> so there's already this 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 uh, this issue <laughs> with yeah. the way we're communicating with each true. other. So um, I had an instance where uh, I met a guy in, in a coffee shop I go to all the time, a subculture yeah. that is downtown. I love that place. I'm always there. And I was just drinking coffee, and, and he did one of those things where, like, he had noticed me and, like, kept giving me glances and, like, kind of came over to where I was. So it was very clear he was trying to... Right, I was like, right. I know he's going to initiate a conversation at some point. Yeah. And he did, and, and we talked for a good ten minutes or so just casually, and it was it was, it was a nice conversation. You know, sure. I, didn't, I didn't give him any signals that I wanted him to leave because I you know, didn't necessarily want him to or need him to. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, he's a he's a boat captain. He drives boats for uh, people on Palm Beach Island. And at the end of it, he let me know that he was in West Palm and the next day he would be driving a boat from West Palm to Fort, down to Fort Lauderdale. And he basically asked me, would you want to come and like help out on the boat? <laughs> and first of all, I know nothing bold. about boats. Very bold, very bold. Um, listen, I... I respect what it takes for a guy to put himself out yeah. there. Even even if it's done in a weird way where I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I respect that. And I, I try not to, um, I try not to be like mean about it or like sure. freak out or anything because nobody likes to be rejected and putting yourself out there is, is difficult. Yeah. And I think sometimes the perception might make thing, color things a little creepier than they were meant to be. Right, um, right. In this, in this instance, for like the next two weeks, I referred to him as creepy boat guy, and uh, everyone I tell the story to is like, "Oh my gosh, this random dude wants you to get on a boat with him." Um, now here's the thing: what I should have just been like was, "No, I'm good." <laughs> just, just been yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually kind of threw some excuse out there, uh, and classic. Uh, of course, classic, classic female <laughs> over here. Um, well, here's the thing: I don't like doing that. It just kind of, it just kind of came out before my brain caught up with my, sure. what my mouth was doing, sure. and and this is something else I tell uh, women, women and men, you know. Um, uh, something else, you know, men tend to be more solution oriented. So yeah, yeah, what what he's, girls? He's gonna go down the list yeah, of uh, like, around whatever you're exactly. saying. Exactly. <laughs> so what we what we're thinking, you know, girls will often like just list all the problems, and it's kind of like take the hint. I'm not interested. And the guy over here is like, problem. Okay, we come up with a solution, and he's focused on that. Right. So as he was explaining to me like uh, his solution, whatever, I was listening, I was nodding, and while I was listening, I was like, when, when I speak again, you know, I let the brain my brain catch up, and I was like, I need to make <laughs> myself clear. So when he when he finished, I said. I said, uh, I, I don't remember his name, but I used his name. Yeah, I always yeah. use their name because it lets okay. them know, you know, first of all, I remember your name. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> as it, I, I do my best. And um, I think it acknowledges them as a person, which I feel like is very important. And, uh, you know, I, I let them know, boat guy, whatever his actual name was. Yeah. Um, said, so I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know you. And, and I think that I would be uncomfortable with that. Right after I said I don't really know you, yeah. his eyes got really wide, and I could basically see the cogs yeah. turning. Like he realized, oh my gosh, I'm coming off as a creeper, right. and he started actually—I don't even think he knew he was doing it. He started sure. backing up really slowly, sure. and and he kind of like laughed nervously, and I was like, you know, I wish you luck on your trip, you know, and I hope you find someone to right. help you out. He's like, okay, thanks. He just kind of like awkwardly <laughs> left. Now here's what I tell people: that as uncomfortable <laughs> as it yeah, might have yeah. gotten was not harassment because right. the moment I said no or said I was uncomfortable he respectfully and literally left sure. me alone yeah. um, I my rule of thumb maybe it's different for everyone but my rule of thumb is twice I you know make myself heard and I give one reminder and if by then someone's not getting it yeah yeah like like if, if you know in a coffee shop it's a public place if I need to I can usually get someone else involved I usually frequent places the baristas know me so if every once in a while they'll come up and be like hey good you know like kind of mouth it yeah. um which is really cool of them to yeah. do um but 
in this situation, like as soon as I made it known, he left. And right. what right. I what I tell um, friends who because uh, I have had friends ask me, what about guys who just try to laugh it off or won't won't hear sure. you out or won't you know respectfully re- respect your request? Right. Right. Um, and I'm like, I still would be respectful because if you're gonna ask for respect, you need to give it. But be firm. Right. And I feel like when we're, you know, try, women, we, if we try to do hints or excuses or, or talk around something, we think we're being gentle and, and kind, but we're actually just being confusing, which can make a guy feel not respected. Sure. Because then when he does catch up, it's like, wait, <laughs> we're not on the same page. And it's, it, nobody right. likes to be in that, in right. that position. So, you know, with a, a friend of mine who had a, a, a guy friend who was uh, always getting in her space physically and made okay. her really uncomfortable, what I told her was, you know, next time you hang out with them, because they have mutual friends, so they're often together yeah, hanging yeah. out. I was like, you know, um, let him know, hey, it makes me uncomfortable. Use that word. It's a hot word. You should use sure. it. Makes yeah. me uncomfortable when you get in my space. Give me a little Give me a little space. And and just knowing him, she's like, what he'll probably do is kind of like try to laugh it off. And I was like, all right, that's why I give one reminder, because that is uncomfortable. And maybe to make it yeah, less uncomfortable, right, guys will be like, oh, you know, you're just... Just, just being. I do that with everyone. I'm just, just being weird. Or oh, you're just so pretty. Like, like whatever. Right, you know. Right, and right. I, and I'm like, acknowledge what he said. You know, again, respect him and reiterate what you said. So, uh, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And what I also say is, I like to use body language. So I will actually put my hand out, like, like a signal for stop. Yeah. And depending on how close we are, I will stretch my arm out. I will never touch the guy. Okay. I will just yeah, use yeah. that distance. And sure. um, if I need to back up and do it, I will. I do that with my students. Some of my male students try to give me hugs when I do that. I'm like, nope, do not hug Mazzaro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and usually they'll just naturally back off because nobody wants sure, to be pushed. Um, but I but I do tell girls, don't unless unless he is like touching you and won't let go of you, like don't actually push him away because even if you mean it to be like aggressive, like no, just being touched for some guys sure. is like mixing signals, like, oh my God, just touching me if there is interest or right, something. Right. Um, so I'll do that, and, and then every time I say, have to reiterate, you know, give me space or whatever, yeah. I do that same motion, and it's just kind of, again, using body language to reinforce what you're saying. Yeah. Um, because that's another stereotype, just go throw out there. Women, we talk a lot, <laughs> and not everything right. we say gets heard. Right. Partly because of that, so um, I like to reinforce what I'm saying with my words with, with my body language. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have to stick with that if you're telling a guy not to get in your space. You then need to not also be flirting and touching him and stuff because right. that can be confusing yeah. and I feel like that's something else you know um, else that women some women will do um, that I've yeah. seen women do and, and you know and I'm like then he kind of might be justified in getting a little upset because that is confusing I'm confused yeah. and I'm and I'm your yeah. gender so you know right. um, yeah so I definitely say people should uh, you know whatever you're feeling have that expressed clearly and if you need to reiterate do so if you're in a public place a lot of times people will see you repeating yourself and get involved, or you can yeah. get someone involved if you feel a need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the advice I generally give in these situations, just just based on my experiences and what I've seen that works. I, I, th- I think that's good, and I like how you framed everything in terms of mutual respect. And obviously you can yep. control the respect that you give. You can't control whether or not you are going right. to be respected. Absolutely. And that's obviously a huge danger. But, yeah. but I like how you have like very concrete ways that you handle things and I, I think ultimately like everything everything we do in life right is is culture everything we do mm-hmm. is contributing to the culture around us yeah and in many ways this male female dynamic in our culture is very sick and dysfunctional oh yeah and we, we've seen a lot of that coming out over the last year or so in you know celebrities and all that stuff I don't want to go into all of that but 
but the reality is, like, if we all just started with respecting each other, like, yeah. none of those issues would, would happen. And we'd probably even embarrass ourselves less. Yeah. Like, and, It'd be less uncomfortable moments. Right. And if the, if the, if the average guy who approached women with regularity approached yeah. with respect, you probably would never have to put your hand up. Yeah. Because it would create it would create a different dynamic that would never require that. Absolutely. But because there is that issue, right? It's it's smart to have yeah. something like that. And, and what's nice about it too is you know guys who do want to be respectful will you'll you'll be able to tell you'll be able to tell yeah. really quickly. So I give the one reminder of after that if I've used body language and I've you know been very clear by saying no or making uncomfortable right. or stop, and the guy's not responding, then I know okay probably not a nice guy or the very moment's not being very nice or very respectful and that's what I mean when I say go get someone else involved you know obviously with a public place you can just find someone um I have a non-emergency police number that I give out to everyone um because there's some situations you're not necessarily just going to call 911 because you know someone's hitting on you a little aggressively um but even even just taking that out and saying that you're going to call is sometimes enough to make that go away um I, I've only had to do this for someone else and never had to do it for, for myself um but having that like you, you know, it sucks that that's the world we live in yeah, where you have to seriously. take those measures. Um, but it is the world we live in where we take those measures. And, and yeah, just like you're saying, you know, if, if we're just respectful and kind to each other, most of these problems yeah. go away. Yeah. Most of them do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, um, on a lighter note, I want to rapid fire a few questions at you. Okay. Uh, do you eat tacos? I love tacos. Okay. Um, I haven't made tacos in a really long time. I need yeah. to do that. Yeah. What, what, what's your favorite kind of taco? Um, so I actually will sometimes mix chicken and beef, make like kind of a mixed taco. Um, I kind of do, my mom used to call it like at-home chipotle, you know how you yeah. go through the line and you kind of pick your sure. meat, so we'll just cook all the different types, and then for the next week we have, you know, taco meat, lettuce, cheese, sauces, whatever, so you your can... My mom really is amazing. That's a whole nother podcast where they're just gushing about my mother. I, I only um, interacted <laughs> with her once on your Facebook page. Yeah. And it was hilarious. And now she, she's this queen taco maker of, oh, yeah. of the whole week. I love it. So my I mom is uh, Puerto Rican, yeah. and, and she married my, my dad's Italian. So she can cook both of those types of food and then some. She yeah. she yeah. is, uh, everyone, all, me and my siblings, we can all cook. Yeah. She's the reason we can all cook. Yeah. And uh, she, yeah, no, she is just She's amazing. I, 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 there's no other word for it. She's phenomenal. Um, like everyone says that about their moms, but mine, yeah. like for real, yeah. just is. <laughs> well, now, uh, you're you're my second woman, but you're my second uh, Puerto Rican on the show. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you like mofongos? Um, I like mofongo soup. Yeah. Okay. Mofongo soup. I yeah, um, I went the couple times I've been to Puerto Rico. Um, when yeah. I like, I, I make a point to order that. It's just, okay. it's so good. Um, there, you can get them in restaurants here as well. Yeah, there's just something about getting it over on the island that I love. Um, but yeah, my mom, my mom is Puerto Rican, so she, yeah. uh, she can cook a lot of that stuff. Um, make a lot of arroz con pollo. It's like oh, a big yeah. dish in our family, and nice. again, we make like a huge pot of it. So we are just, you know, if you bring friends over, we have enough, and then if sure. not, we just have leftovers and. Um, yeah, yeah. Have what, what area of Puerto Rico is your family from? Caguas. Yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of near the beach. Um, they're they're a little. A lot of beach there. <laughs> it, it's, it's close. Um, they're not like up in the mountains. Uh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. We we have family kind of all spread out, and I don't know all the places. Um, yeah, but generally, yeah. when we go visit, that's where we stay, okay. and we'll visit. You know, all all of the cousins. <laughs> Everyone's a cousin. Yeah, yeah. You meet someone on the island, you're probably related to them if you're right, Puerto Rican. Right. You know, my grandfather likes to joke about that. If uh, like. 
a, a guy will like hit on me or one of my female cousins yeah. will be like he'll just lean over us and be like you know he's probably like your second cousin or something <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're like all right you know no interest now yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, right yeah too closely related it's just, just one big family over there <laughs> how, how, how do you like the uh cokey frogs in Puerto Rico? i love them my my cool? cousin one of my cousins is really good at catching them and he'll take like a picture with the frog in his hand they're so little yeah. And the, the sound they make is so, I find it relaxing. Yeah. There's just this consistent sound at night. Um, yeah. I think some tourists maybe go and find it annoying at first, probably. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is happening, you know, outside while I'm trying to sleep? But I love the sound. Yeah. The big island of Hawaii has been invaded by koki frogs. Really? Now, I'm not I know sure that. exactly when they were introduced, but they're, they're an invasive species. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Hawaii is the world's most re uh, remote island chain in the world. Right, right. People don't exactly realize that. So it's not like they're going to hop know, over. Hop over. <laughs> right. It's a very They'd have to be brought distance. there, yeah. Yeah, there's a continent in between. Right. You know, like, um, anyway, I, I think I think the story was that like Walmart imported some plants from the Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. And didn't do a good job making sure there were no Critters on there, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the Hilo side of the big island is just filled with them. Oh, man. And I lived there uh, 10 years ago, I guess, was when I moved there. And, like, at night, the whole, like, outdoors just pulsates. Yeah. And I actually put that on one of my songs. But, yeah, I actually stuck the microphone out the window and recorded the cookies <laughs> and put them in the background on one of the My uh, grandmother's ringtone is Koki Frog that she recorded on the island. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> that is that is that is so fun. Um, okay, so what what are you reading right now? So um, since we're going back to school, I've been trying to read stuff that's in my classroom library. Okay. Uh, so mostly young adult novels and and things. Um, like I am things teaching. To recommend or things that you're studying. Um, things. Later things that are in the classroom library for them to grab but aren't necessarily okay. me teaching them um, I do give them opportunities to pick books sure. because you know if I did ever if I if we read a book together at, in every genre that would be the whole year almost yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and students know what they like and I ask them you know I I don't write read a lot of horror so yeah. there wasn't a lot in my classroom library because a lot of it I bring from home and a lot of it I buy at Goodwill and other places yeah. but those that was being requested so then I had to go do research and find authors it's like I don't want to just grab a book that's in that genre because I, if I haven't read it I want to make sure, sure it's appropriate so um, so right now I've, I've picked a few things off the shelf not everything on the shelf is something I've read yeah. um, if it's an author who writes for young adult I usually assume it's okay yeah. um, sometimes I get books I get books from the school as well and I haven't necessarily read those but it's the school's property I assume it yeah, can be yeah, on the yeah. shelf so um, I'm reading a few things um, with me, I have a book called Locomotion that I just grabbed because it looks interesting, and okay. and uh, this is one of the school's books, and it's poetry, okay. but it's um it's this kid's story, told through the poems he's writing for a class, okay. and it's cool because I'm gonna teach my creative writing students poetry and short stories, and I'm actually gonna use this as a bridge between those two units because the way it's written could be either a poem or a, sh a story or a short story, yeah. Yeah. It's basically prose and poetry form. And I do tell my students, when you write prose, when you write short stories, books, you want to add some poetry into your description to keep things interesting. Yeah. So even yeah. if students know that they like writing stories and don't like writing poetry, 
having that practice, I tell them, will make you a better storyteller. Sure. Um, so that's what I that's what I have in my bag right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been trying to read more of those. Over the summer, I read a lot of graphic novels just because it was summer and I could, and I enjoy them. Um, yeah. And I'm trying yeah. to get caught up because there's so much going on and I'm so behind on sure. everything. Um, you know the way the way DC writes, you have to read like all of the characters because they interact so much. Just understand what's happening. Yeah. So I'm I'm very behind, but I'm working on it. <laughs> before before we close, I have a thing that I every episode with, and I really warned you about this. Oh no, okay. What is your favorite rap song of all time? My or favorite if, rap song of all time, if, oh my gosh. not all time, just one that really was, it is impactful or... What comes to mind automatically, I'm just going to go with that. Yeah, um, that's the best I really like Lecrae, okay. and it's yeah. not just because he's a Christian rapper, most of the rappers I listen to aren't sure. necessarily, yeah. but he just, his lyrics... I love them. Um, kind of like connected to the when the process of writing "Home is a Dirty Word." I was listening to his song "Just Like You" a lot. It's about his experience with having dad, daddy issues, I guess, and um, that was uh, really impactful for me for that time. And there's another one by him called "Gotta Know" that I also that just all seasons of my life absolutely love. And it's it's his lyrics. Yeah. Um, actually. Was gonna use lyrics from one of his songs um, as like a game for the students, where they had to read it and figure out if it was spoken word or rap. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, they didn't do very well. <laughs> wow. Most of them thought it was spoken word, and that's what I think is really cool about uh, yeah, that's awesome. the poetry of rap. It is poetry. Yeah, yeah. You know, poetry sure. is this huge category, and there's so many things that fit under it, and uh, that's part of the reason I like it. You know, I'm I'm writing poetry. I'm. Yeah. I want to also not just perform it and read it, but I want to hear it. Yeah. And, and rap is that side of it. Do you have any socials you'd like to share or any last words? Um, yeah, so um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I post a lot of uh, nice. stuff on that about my art and just random things that I like, so a lot of Batman. Um, <laughs> but my, my handle is Renata Speaks, and because I'm not going to assume you can spell my name, it is, uh, <laughs> it is, yeah, I just don't assume anymore. Um, it's R-E-N-A-T-A Speaks. And I, I, I do that because I, I speak the truth um, in all areas of my life. That's what it's uh, for. And every time I do a post that has um, me on a stage or doing anything related to poetry, the hashtag is Renata Speak. So if you search that, it's just me. There's like seven posts maybe under it. Um, but I've, I've just started using that. Um, my Facebook page, um, I actually have to change the username. It's also going to be Renata Speaks later this week. So, um, you know, facebook.com slash Renata Speaks. It's just another place where I post the shows I go to and other things for writers and, and editors and other things that I enjoy and find funny. Sure. So. Very good. Thank you. And uh, for, for my socials, uh, just push at Royal Ruckus and at Royal Ruckus Official. You just have to figure out which is which. <laughs> Wasn't able to get at Royal Ruckus for everything, but that's, that's all right. Um, also, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, I would love your feedback. Uh, you can send me an email at jamie, J-A-M-E-Y, at J-A-M-E-Y-E as in boy.com, so jamiejbb.com. Um, but even more importantly than that, leaving a review helps a lot. I can use the stars, I can use the uh, description, and please, five stars is even most helpful because it helps uh, with the search rankings and you can find the podcast. If you think it's worthwhile, uh, please give me a five-star review on this, um, on whatever your platform is of choice, but especially on iTunes. So, 
I'm doing it right now, so you guys should follow my lead. <laughs> Instant results. Thank you. Uh, I, I do not require my guests to give. Like, no, it was reviews. not required. I just, I just realized I, I hadn't reviewed yet, so I should. Well, I, I appreciate that. But th thanks for being on today, Renata. Yeah, and, thank you so much for having me. Uh, please check out her stuff on Instagram and uh, share this episode with friends, family, relatives, strangers, enemies. <laughs> All right, and now we are going to listen to Lecrae. Inconsistent, yes, still faking when I need your assistance. And I just gotta know that even though.